0: Modern Recordist, the podcast where we talk all about designing and living life as an extraordinary artistic visionary, discussing inspiring and creative ideas around making music and art that creates an impact in the world. On this podcast, we hang out with musicians, songwriters, artists, producers, and all manner of artistic visionaries to connect with them and gain insights that provoke our greatest creative breakthroughs. I'm your host, John Stinson, a national-based producer, recording engineer, a mixing engineer, a collector of experiences, a lifelong learner, a lifelong teacher, and an artist in my own right. And I welcome you to another episode of The Modern Recordist. Thanks for joining in and listening and and being a dedicated listener. This is uh, a privilege and uh, always exciting to get to continue to create new episodes and have on awesome guests and stuff. And um, so I appreciate all the uh, listeners and all the people who are dedicated to, to listening and interested in being a part of this show and being a part of the audience. And today we have another guest that uh, I met and set up another yet another impromptu. I think I've done a number of these um, interviews now, sort of impromptu setups that of people that I met in Nashville during the CD Baby DIY Musicians Conference. And so um, yeah, I had some. It was a it was such a great experience, and I just made so many great connections with really authentic people and really interesting people and talented people. And so, just set up a lot of, decided I wanted to set up a lot of impromptu interviews or discussions with these people, and so uh, that's another episode today. That's what we're doing today. Set up an impromptu hang with my guest today, play a little music, and we're just going to have another conversation about making music and art. So my guest today is somebody who is a solo artist, someone that I met at the CD Baby DIY Musicians Conference in Nashville. Um, set up an impromptu conversation. Didn't really do too much homework or prep going in. <laughs> so we're just going to go where it goes and have this kind of, it's really not unlike any other episode of this show or where things just kind of go where they go and we're going to have fun. He's a multi instrumentalist, solo artist, touring artist. He's an educator. He does a lot of things. Has some really cool, interesting, unique music that he plays. I heard him. At an open mic night, the first night of the conference, stepped up to the mic and really owned the room and owned the crowd. Really was awesome, just entertaining people uh, with his uh, solo artistry and presence. He's got a really good uh, ability. He did a really cool improv uh, performance, I remember, um, that just it it was it was really impressive because it was just totally improv, but just done so smoothly and so well. So he's got a really cool skill set for being able to to come across in a really entertaining way. And um, he does some interesting things with uh, loops and synthesizers, but with also like fiddle and violin and stringed instruments too, and cool vocals and stuff. So. Uh, We're going to get right to it. He's going to play us in with a song today, uh, a uh, violin uh, vocal song uh, called Angle. So playing us into this episode of The Modern Recordist with his song Angle, please welcome my guest today, Rob Flax.
1: Oh, I never can predict the angle of the rain. If I lean my umbrella, the direction seems to change Try to keep myself protected, but I always try in vain Oh, I never can predict the angle of the rain I never can predict what time the train will come Seems I always miss by seconds end up sucking on my thumb Standing on that open platform in the winter makes me numb Oh, I never can predict what time the train will come train will come. The mood i find Wet. And I haven't found the secret to your body language. Yet. Someday I'll have all the answers, and I always catch the train, but still I never can predict the angle of the rain. Oh, the angle of the The angle of the rain. The angle of the rain.
0: Sweet. Awesome dude. Uh Rob Flax. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, John. Yeah, man. Um yeah, it's great. It's great to be able to sit down and do this impromptu conversation with you uh and uh like i've done with with several other people but man this conference it's been um it's been uh such an awesome experience for me it got me super fired up because i've just connected with so many like-minded people like you and just everybody's just so open and just like ready to connect and it's just been like instantaneous building rapport with people and yeah you know so it's been a really good experience dude
2: absolutely yeah there's i've i've been to a couple conferences in the past year and uh, of all the ones I've attended, this one has been the most open and the most sort of want to do something. Yeah, let's do yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. Now we're doing. Yeah. It. Totally. <laughs> I felt the exact same way. I've
0: been to a few conferences, and I've said this. Um, I said this on some of the other episodes I did recently, but you know, I've been to a few conferences. Oh, I haven't really traveled much this year, but um, I've, done, I've been to a few conferences in Nashville this year. Oh, okay. Yeah. And um, and uh, you know it. I kind of had my expectations lowered a little bit. And so going into the CD baby conference, I kind of didn't really have like super high expectations, right. but as soon as I stepped into that convention center, I mean, it was instantaneously connecting with a lot of people. You were one of the, you, I think we connected the first day. Yeah, real, so real yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, just great conversations, man. And so it just like blew me away. It just totally exceeded my expectations on so many levels. Uh, just connecting with people, uh, the the level of talent and artistry of these of, of the people that I connected with and um, that was right. just around the conference and just the, the conference itself the, the the subject matter and the experts they brought in and the, you know all the all the learning experiences that I had I, I talked to a lot of other people and their learning experiences they had so I mean this this thing was a slam dunk I told the people at CD baby Kevin Bruner and some of the other folks there's just like you guys killed it man this is a total total slam dunk yeah
1: so.
2: yeah I was I was using the phrase, uh, Friday night at the open mic, I was sitting with a table of people who I'd not really met prior to that uh, that experience, and you know we were sitting like we were old friends and had been hanging out for years. And mm-hmm. as I said to it, the, you know, I think, what's the the CEO's CD baby Tracy
0: Maddox? Is that right? Uh, I think so. Yeah. So
2: uh, that he and uh, several other sort of. High up dudes and you know that would be wearing suits, but it's Nashville, so they're yeah. wearing just button down shirts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, They were sitting behind us, and I, I turned to them and I just said, "You know,
0: thank you for existing." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: thank you for for making this. I th- I feel like I found my tribe.
0: Yeah, totally. That's yeah. exactly it. Yeah, yeah. I, I felt like you know I found my tribe and. Um, you know, because
2: motivated people. Yeah.
0: Right. You know? Yeah. It's just a. Re- it's just refreshing because you know I I live in Nashville. I work in the music industry in Nashville. You know I'm an audio engineer by trade, and um right. you know I get I, I work on a, a you know in songwriter demo stuff. You know independent artists all the way up to like you know major label releases and like um, a whole different kind of like wide variety of different things. Yeah. And so you know being in Nashville, you can just, it can, it can get very, very industry. There's like very industry presence here. And that lends to a certain type of thing that sometimes I feel a little alienated and I feel a little bit just, um, I don't know. I just, I just feel a little stuck sometimes in that, you know, participating in that world. I mean, I I have a lot of close connections and people that I'm that are, that are good friends of mine that are in Mm -hmm. that world. But for me, you know, sometimes I just feel a little bit of a struggle to feel like I really find a place that I belong and um but yeah. but the CD baby community um it just really felt inclusive and like i really belonged you know so it was it was really awesome
2: absolutely yeah Yeah, uh, you felt it in the jam sessions that happened too i don't know if you got to participate in any of those in that the, there was a jam room sponsored by gibson guitars and um a couple of times i i stumbled in there and, and ended up playing some music with some people cool it was just you know never met them yeah. but let's let's go there was some, right. One day I came in. There were two guys who were jamming on uh, "Spain" by Chick Corea, one of the jazz standard, and uh, and I just you know pulled out my fiddle and started jamming with. Yeah, him. killer! That's and great. It was a good time. Yeah. Another time there was a a jam session that was happening right outside the room. Like I think the, the, the Gibson booth was closed up for the night, but uh-huh. people still wanted to jam. So I ended up playing with a, a cellist, another violist, a flute player, um, mandolin player, a couple singers. Somebody who was playing like a a bottle of I don't know ibuprofen as a shaker. Oh wow,
0: that's awesome. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Carol and playing harmonica, guy playing a, a mountain dulcimer, like the the uh, guitarist. There was just a whole motley assortment of instruments. Yeah, from all over the country. Yeah, and here we were jamming on like Carter Family. Yeah, and uh, you know I think maybe maybe some Johnny Cash. Yeah, some some common threads yeah
0: yeah it's great and even uh you know i met some people from montreal i met some people from brazil um there was it was a it was a international event i mean there was people from different countries represented and you know um and all over the united states and everything it was really cool the first night um hanging out I, i ran into some some guys from brazil And, uh, we hit it off really well. And then they kind of wanted to go see the town a little bit. So they recruited me to jump on a cab with them, take them to East Nashville. We had a little late dinner over there and showed them around and, uh, yeah. And so, um, so yeah, it was just, it was just really awesome just to connect with, with so many different types of people, you know, and I know that these, a lot of these connections are going to, they're going to, they're going to last, you know what I mean? Yeah. So,
2: yeah. And that was the, you get the sense that, you know. It's not just a business card exchange. Exactly. It's like,
0: oh, okay, we should have a beer later. Yeah, exactly. Totally. I mean, because, yeah, that's the thing is like sometimes I feel a little like when I exchange business cards with people, it feels a little bit forced or whatever, you know? For sure. um, This was, I never exchanged a business card with anybody that were, it just felt natural every single time. Like there was no forced anything, you know? So yeah. anyway, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of CD Baby. I'm a fan of what they did and what they've built here. And um, and, and I'm, I'm glad to have gotten to get the chance to cross paths with people like you and, you know, yeah. jump on the podcast and I appreciate you being here and helping me with my, I'm in a podcast, you know, relaunching this whole thing. And you're one of the, uh, you're one of the first people that's in this initial batch of episodes. So honored to yeah. be here. Yeah, yeah. It's awesome, man. <laughs> so cool. So I introduced you into the show as like a solo artist, multi-instrumentalist, yep. kind of tried to give a description of, you know, obviously we just heard you play that song and, um. And, uh, but tried to give a description of, cause you do it because this, the style that you just played just now, you know, mm-hmm. but you, but you also explore some, you go down some other avenues like the the open mic night was kind of a different avenue for you. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, what, what's kind of, um, what's your, <laughs> what's your story? Yeah. Buddy? What's your, yeah. What's your style? Listen, what's what's your, your deal? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> give it to me.
2: Oh man. I have a lot of stories and a lot of deals. Um, the short answer is I play things with strings and I hit stuff and I sing. Yeah. That's uh, that's the most succinct description of yeah. what I do. Um, I'm a original artist. I, I make my own original music. Uh, uh, I started out playing violin when I was a kid uh, in third grade in, in the school orchestra. And so I've been playing that for many years now. I'm, I'm 29, so it's been 21 years mm-hmm. of, of violin playing. Um, and... Uh, I got into playing some some improvised music, some jazz, and some blues when I was in middle school. I had, we had like a cool orchestra director who uh, who showed us some some other stuff and how to improvise and mm-hmm. how to play the blues. And um, I, where I where I grew up, there was a, a really big high school uh, with a really big music program. I mean, my graduating class was like. Seven hundred and fifty people, okay. and so there were nine jazz combos, mm-hmm. and three big bands, and two orchestras, and a choir, and a, I mean, just huge music programs, So mm-hmm. there was room for a beginning jazz violinist to sort of flail my way through the you know the music program there, and um so uh, for many years I thought I was going to be like an instrumentalist and like a, a jazz musician, like jazz violin was the path for me but um it's it's always been a tricky road just cuz it's not sort of a default instrument in mm-hmm. that style mm-hmm. so i had to kind of find workarounds or or look to musicians as models who weren't necessarily sort of normal musicians um and and so i've always been i don't want to say an outsider but um, I've never been confined to like a, oh, this is what you're supposed to do, yeah. therefore you should do it. Yeah. Um, and so that that's kept a lot of doors open and it's opened me to a lot of different styles of playing and thinking and, and writing. Um, I ended up going to grad school in Boston at the New England Conservatory. Uh, there's a program there called Contemporary Improvisation, or CI for short. Okay. And uh, and the CI program basically said, "Listen, we don't care what you do, as long as you do it really, really well. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it has to be a personal signature voice. So I spent two years basically in crisis, going, who
3: am I? What yeah, am yeah. I doing?'
2: You know. And uh, I was writing more songs with words, and uh, you know, I, I got into playing a lot of bluegrass music in undergrad. Um, at Denison University, which is a little liberal arts college in Granville, Ohio. Mm-hmm. Um, so between the the bluegrass training, where I started doing more singing, uh, and uh, I also started playing mandolin and also bass, upright bass. Okay, there. cool. Um, so that that skill set led me down the path of being more of like a singer songwriter. Yeah. Um, and so. When I got to NEC, there was like a songwriting ensemble. I started writing songs with words. I put together a little band. Um, and, you know, I've been sort of leading my own projects of various sizes ever yeah. since. Yeah, yeah, um, I guess even when I was an undergrad, I was a band leader. Uh, I've always been kind of a a front person yeah, personality in yeah. terms of trying to organize a group. Um But, yeah, so, I mean, it's just, my music now is a synthesis of a whole bunch of different styles and, and, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Inspirations. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Cool. Yeah. Awesome, man. And so, the school, what was the school you said you went to? What was it? Uh, Uh,
2: Denison University. And, and, oh, in Boston was New England Conservatory. Okay. NEC. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Old, old, like... Traditionally people think of it as like a classical violin, you know, like okay. you go there to to get an an orchestra gig. Okay. You go there and you you train and you learn Bach and Beethoven and Brahms and all yeah. the, the great composers and and study chamber music and play in an orchestra. Um but that that's only if you're in the the classical department. Uh-huh. You know, I was in this this other sort of weird hybrid thing that was um uh originally there's a composer named Gunther Schuler who is sort of famous-ish in the jazz and like avant-garde scene. He played a a French horn on a Miles Davis record, Birth of the Cool. Um, But he was also a great composer in his own right, and he was the president of NEC. And while he was there, he started this program that he called Third Stream. It was like half jazz, half classical. And that's a gross oversimplification. And he personally was like, oh, it's not just a mix of jazz and classical it's yeah it's it's more nuanced than that But unfortunately like nobody there was very good at actually describing Mm -hmm. what it was yeah yeah (laughs) so it didn't take off yeah yeah. nobody knew what it was they couldn't like expand it yeah so yeah um this program is basically that still and it's still hard to describe yeah they've added more streams it's no longer the third thing in the middle of those two yeah we've added like you know bluegrass and klezmer yeah, yeah, yeah. and Balkan music and Brazilian music. Yeah, yeah, cool. A whole bunch of other stuff. Yeah. So um, it, was, it was basically two straight years of going, now here's something else in the world that you've never heard. Uh-huh. It's the way they do things there. Uh, try and make something like that. Oh, you're sucked! Oh, that's funny. You know, yeah. Hey, everything you've done so far has sucked, and everything that you thought was original, somebody else has done already. Yeah. Here, let me play you five examples. Yeah, of yeah, yeah. You yeah. thought you were slick, but actually, this is somebody else came yeah. up with this thirty years yeah. ago. Yeah. So. It was it was a lot of sort of heartbreak and going oh I thought I was clever but but the,
0: but but that's <laughs> definitely part of the learning process right they're not doing that just to like kill your dreams or doing that of to course. expand your mind right of so course. what did you learn when you go into that process kind of like what was your your process for you know clearly you've it it, it uh, positively impacted you it built your skill set how did that work for you you know sure I mean
2: well I've always been open to learning new things in a bunch of different styles. My whole life philosophy is built around continuous outward growth in all directions mm-hmm. which i even have as a little acronym cogiad cool. cogiad continuous cool. uh, outward growth in all directions that's cool i like that yeah and it, it's you know a, a nice way for me to say i'm distractible and <laughs> <laughs> but,
0: but but you can you can steep intention into it and leverage it into purpose exactly, right yeah, exactly exactly
2: yeah. by being exposed to these many many different styles and disciplines and and flavors of music and and means of expression it it opened me up to know that whatever path I chose, as long as I chose it with an intention and, and, and when it wasn't just like, Hey, this is what you've been exposed to. Therefore make music in that style. It was mm-hmm. like, I've made the conscious choice to place my values in certain things. Yeah. And so it's, it's really helped me formulate, uh, sort of a, I, I think a unique voice that, um, Makes me sound like yeah, me. Yeah, totally. And it's a blend of all the different things that I like.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, that's cool. Yeah.
2: It worked out pretty pretty well. Yeah, it's awesome, man.
0: <laughs> that's awesome. So, in the, in the, and you're, you're clearly well thought out about a lot of this stuff, you know, and you've spent time having a self awareness about it. You know, it's, it's, it's obvious yeah. that when you talk about it, anybody who comes up with like an acronym for kind of, <laughs> you know, it's almost like you've, you know, you built a system. Um, so it, yeah. anybody who does that is clearly somebody who's spent time being introspective and and contemplating like a certain level of self awareness around what they're doing. You know, and and just making purposeful decisions. Uh, and and uh, you know, I I think I I read this and used it in the intro um, that you're an educator. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So is that what's that about? Is that music education or is that like? these mindset kind of things around it or all in one, or what does that look like? Yeah,
2: I'd say all in one. Um, I mean, I, I, I love to teach also. Mm-hmm. Um, I started, I mean, I've, I used to babysit my neighbor's kids, you know, mm-hmm. I teach them stuff back when I was in middle school. Yeah. Um, so I've always been like, a, now here's how you do this, like yeah. try to help people with stuff. Yeah. But um, when I was at NEC, I also did a program called Music in Education, which is not music ed, but music in
0: ed. That's interesting. Okay.
2: And uh, so their, their conception is like, NEC is a performance school like people that graduate from NEC are there to get a performance degree and go out and perform Mm -hmm. but 90 percent of graduates end up teaching in some capacity so like you ought to know at least the basics of how to teach someone something because that's going to be a revenue stream if nothing else yeah yeah um and so I took the classes just thinking like hey this is probably a good idea to you know know a little something about the theory behind teaching uh and it turns out like I really like get into it I yeah, mean, uh-huh. I, like, thinking about how the mind works mm-hmm. and how people learn has impacted my artistry mm-hmm. so you know if i'm putting together a lesson plan and teaching a class i i'm doing it in a way that involves artistry mm-hmm. it's the artistry of teaching mm-hmm. and so i can apply my artistic skill set of how to put together a good show mm-hmm. towards a lesson and like inspiring kids yeah. and, and having them moved in the same way that right. you might try to do that on stage yeah. and vice versa when I'm putting together a show um, and maybe I have a bunch of different styles of music on the same performance, I'll do a, a bluegrass tune and then something that's very like R and B soulful mm-hmm. thing. And then something that's like, kind of a you know Chicago style blues and then something else that's got some Indian music in it and something that's in, like weird time signature mm-hmm. and something that's jazzy and funky and then something that's like shreddy electric you know i can i can have a program that has that diverse level of musical mm-hmm. styles and taste mm-hmm. as long as i scaffold it as long as i set the audience up for a successful uh, interaction with it you know mm-hmm. I, um, uh, one of my teachers there, Larry Scripp, used this phrase one time he said he was orchestrating for cognition interesting which was like a huh. Totally blew my mind. Interesting. This idea of 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 timing his musical creation in such a way that people could they had time to get it in real time. Yeah. So that they could interact with it while it was happening, as yeah. opposed to the serious composer who's gonna you know make their art, and if you don't get it, you just don't get it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like no, he's like, I want you to get it. Yeah. Here's how it works. Yeah. This is you know let's connect over this. Uh huh. So. I feel like that philosophy informs a lot of my performances now, too. It's like, I want people to walk away having felt something mm-hmm. and having learned something, having mm-hmm. grown a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, you know, even if it's like pull out a weird little instrument, like I have a I carry around a bunch of jaw harps in my okay, case. Yeah. And, and that's a, that's a, a, an instrument that your average uh, American audience goer hasn't seen before. Yeah. And, it's, you know, they've heard the little boing yeah, yeah sound right, effect. Yeah, right, yeah. Um, they might not have heard it used in a musical yeah. context, so yeah, I can slip that into the middle of my show, and you know, even if the rest of it totally sucked, and I hope it didn't, but you know, even if it did, mm-hmm. think, you know, that audience member has learned something.
0: Yeah, you know, yeah, it's really cool, man. Like the, to hear you talk about your show and to get to experience a little. I mean, you know, I I experienced a portion of your show at the Open Mic Night, and sure. I experienced. Where was it that I saw? Maybe you were playing somewhere else. That you did the open mic night. I did the
2: closing, the after party thing. I sang okay, one
0: song, and like you and you played. A, you played guitar that night. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. I was okay. gonna
2: do two songs: guitar on one, and then fiddle on one. But they cut me off after one. Cause oh, did they? They yeah. were running behind you schedule. Were right, right, right. And I was like, oh, everybody but else got two.
0: Yeah, it's really cool to. You know, I've experienced portions of your show. I haven't experienced a full kind of like set that that you've put together. Um, But it's cool to to get a glimpse into that, read a little bit about who you are, you know, spend a little bit of time with you to kind of pick up on your personality and your philosophies. And then to now hear you talk about these things, it's like hits me as, you know, when I think of a... um, like I'm going to go see a band play or something, right? Like mm-hmm. I'm going to go to a concert or I'm going to go down to one of the local venues here in town and see, you know, a local band play or something. My the thought, you know, when I my concept of that is I'm going to go to a concert, I'm going to go see a band play. And there's a certain right. type of, con- uh, you just, like in your mind, the way you think about that. But then if somebody was to say, well, let's go see this show and its performance art, it's a different thing, right? Yeah. And you to me, it's like I, I think of your your thing is kind of more in the, like the performance art kind of aspect of it. And you and, I guess you, so, yeah. Yeah. And this is really it's a really interesting angle that seems like unique and fresh and inspiring to yeah. me. That's what I felt like when you were doing that improv piece at the open mic night it was very much like this performance art kind of a thing. That's fair, yeah. yeah.
2: I suppose that yeah. is kind of a good overarching yeah. kind of term.
0: Yeah, and it's cool. <laughs> I, I um that that's a it's a neat kind of way. to think about it in terms I don't know that just kinda landed with me now when I was hearing you talk about it. And it's cool because it's it's I can tell from like the influences, the your background and like how your like education, your sort of like your education interest and your participation in that space, those types of particular traits seep into your your performance. Right. These people that you were just talking about, like the the the, the what did he call it? Um, the music in education department. Yeah, yeah, but the composer you were just talking about, oh, what was his uh, term? Gunther
2: Schuller, Third Stream. Yeah. And his
0: term was like, oh, orchestrating
2: con- for cognition. Yeah, yeah. that's interesting. <laughs> Dropped a lot of terms. Yeah, that's
0: really in interesting. Yeah. And I can tell how that has influenced you and like has kind of made its way into your your artistry. And totally. Yeah, it's really neat. Yeah. So how do you? Um, I guess when I was really kind of my my. Quest Question behind all of this was I was thinking: How do you, um, as a touring artist, performing artist, you know, and you're you're looking, you're building an audience around this, and you're connecting with your audience, and you 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 have mm-hmm. a, a, a certain flavor of artistry and performance artistry. What how do you connect that with people? Because you know, if I'm if I'm like a rock and roll band, you know, that's one thing. I can say, Oh yeah, we're a rock band and we play shows. Right. You know, and then you're booking tours and you're doing performances and you're steeping in like like you just all these different styles that you mentioned that you put right. into your show. Like, you know, if I'm a rock band, it's like, well, I'm gonna play rock music for you, right? Right. So right. how do you what what's your kind of your challenge and how have you sort of been able to figure out how to kind of market this and build an audience around people who's like, I'm you're gonna come to my show and you're gonna be exposed to some Hip, flop, hip hop influence stuff some classical influence stuff some you know delta blues influence stuff and all yeah. this kind of like different things are going to come into your your show
2: yeah, into I a just, piece of performance art i just know? don't tell them.
0: you don't tell them. okay <laughs>
2: <laughs> i mean it's 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 a tricky thing to explain I have some some super fans who just they just bring some friend and they just, yeah. just come. You you'll figure. Yeah, he's, he's weird. Just just come. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know? Cool. And that's and it just sort of starts with there. But I mean, it's also there's there are some models for who. I could look up to, you know, I mean, certainly when I'm billing myself or when I'm booking a show, I'm just, Hey, I'm a violinist and singer. I'm going to sing some singer songwriter style songs. Okay. And so if I phrase it like that, then a solo performer who's a singer songwriter is, that's a format that a booking agent yeah. gets. Right. Yeah. You know, and they can, they can, they're not going to program me with, you know, Slayer. You know? Yeah. They're, <laughs> right. It's not going to be that type of mashup for the bill, but, um, it's uh once I'm in once I've got the space, then it's they're mine, you know right it's sort yeah. of, once i've once I've got bodies in the room, it's a captive audience, yeah. i'm gonna do kind of whatever I want, yeah, and, and we'll figure out what to call it later, yeah you know yeah, um the uh the best way to to think about it, I guess is just sort of you know it's. My goal is to create an immersive, engaging experience yes, that that's cool. changes people, yes. that touches people. Yeah, um, I think that my goals as a performer are the same as an educator, which is, you know, this this idea of sharing, this idea of giving and creating something together with the audience that is not possible mm-hmm. before,
3: mm-hmm. you know,
2: and and just trying to bring people to a new place and maybe think about the world in a different way and to 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 care about each other mm-hmm. more. Um, some of my inspirations for these these types of performers, these these solo artists who by themselves can really command a room, um, I think of of a few really great musicians and performers. Uh, Bobby McFerrin, mm-hmm. right off the bat, uh, I, I remember seeing video clips of him just doing his thing and being astonished that mm-hmm. just one voice could keep an entire room of people wrapped yeah. attention. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, And then, but like Reggie Watts too, Uh you know, he uses a looper and like a bunch of gadgets and tricks and stuff in his voice and now also keyboards and, you know, drums. And he's, he's on James Corden's show as like Mm -hmm. the house band and he's making a bunch of music, but has this streak of comedy and this sort of subversive, uh, you know, undercurrent of like social commentary through nonsense sounds. Uh Uh-huh. Um, I also think about someone like Stevie Wonder, who in the studio was a very singular artist um, and had this sound that he sort of c- could create all himself. Um, and so when I'm live, I want to try and have that that immersive yeah. feeling of, of that, too. Um, I actually got to see Stevie Wonder this April at the ASCAP Expo. He was the keynote speaker killer, and uh, you know, somebody, it was uh, Janelle Monet was interviewing oh, him. Oh wow. Killer. Amazing. Yeah. Awesome. Um, and uh, you know, the, co- the question came up about like uh activism in his work. And, and you know, she said, Stevie, you, you've been an outspoken advocate for a lot of social causes your whole career. Did anybody ever tell you like, Hey, you probably should just stick to music. You probably should like not endanger mm-hmm, your music mm-hmm. career. And he said, well, yeah, I mean, people said that, but, I just did it anyway. Yeah. And uh, you know that to me is another sort of big inspiring model of having a vision for why I'm out on the road. Is okay. to try and, and you know, make a difference in the world yeah. through my through my art. Yeah. Um, who are some other great solo performers? Um Tommy Emmanuel's great guitarist mm-hmm. and uh, sort of virtuoso who does all sorts of amazing uh, stuff and yeah. you know he also collaborates with other people, but he's known for his solo performances. Yeah. Leo Kotke is a great solo guitarist who again has this really commanding presence on the guitar and sings these beautiful songs and tells these wonderful stories and yeah. narratives. Um, I, there was one other person who was just on the tip of my tongue who's like a somebody else that's a, a very oh well. There's there's other looping violinists
1: definitely.
0: Mm-hmm. Andrew
2: Bird comes to mind. Yeah, like a yeah. big. Um, he actually went to school uh, at Northwestern University mm-hmm. uh, in Evanston, Illinois, mm-hmm. which is my hometown. That's where okay. I grew up. So yeah. there was always sort of like this this presence of, yeah, looping violin is a thing around yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Cool. And then there's, there's a few others. Kishi Bashi is another great looping violinist on the scene now, um, and he's done some great stuff. Uh John Hartford, that's who I was trying to think John Hartford and Tim O'Brien. These are two great musicians in the bluegrass tradition Mm -hmm. who, again, lots of collaborations with lots of different people. But, you know, John Hartford can do an entire full evening length work just himself. Either banjo and voice or guitar and voice or fiddle and voice. And sometimes doing one of those things at the same time as, like... Like, yeah. dancing. Yeah, yeah, and like yeah. Step, what do you call that? Two-stepping or, or uh, shuffle. Yeah, 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 yeah. I forget yeah. the name of exactly what step he's doing, but he's, you know, using his feet as percussion, playing the banjo or the guitar or the fiddle, and singing at the same time. Right. And, and uh, you know, wrote beautiful songs. Yeah. And was a virtuoso player and, like, could you know, great singer. Right.
0: So, yeah, man, that's really, really cool. And it's hearing you talk about it and all these different, some of these people I'm familiar with, some of them I'm not. Check them out. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I'm definitely going to. And to hear you talk about it is inspiring to me because I've been, because as I was kind of hanging around the conference and seeing different people doing like different performances, open mic nights, different kinds of things, um, I began kind of thinking about this kind of stuff. I've been thinking about it a little while, but the conference kind of made me think about it more because the type of music that I write and create for myself—that
2: yeah—I
0: haven't put anything out quite yet. I've put a little bit out, but not quite. I uh, uh-huh. haven't really, you know. I'm still working up some stuff. But yeah. the things that—that's not my—that's not my world. You know, I'm not the person that's going to be like this solo performer and have this sort of multifaceted, multi-layered kind of drawing from sort of like different artistic performance art styles and infusing in them all together. That's not my thing, but I'm very Dude. interested in that and yeah. people that can do it. And I'm starting to see it. I'm just kind of starting to like look at it as a way of like, Ooh, like that's interesting. Maybe I want to go down that road to maybe participate in that. And like, I'm starting to think about like deconstructing it and thinking about like, how would I do my version of that? You know, cause it's, <laughs> it's inspiring to me to have this idea of like, you know, you're know, you performing music, original music, and you're incorporating interesting performances in it, but then there's a comedy aspect to it, maybe a subtle yep. comedy yep. aspect to it, which is yeah. very, you know, so it's very nuanced. And I was like, so like the type of music that I create, I'm like, well, how would I be able to do the music that I create stripped down and still convey it? You know that way, and so it's right. interesting. I, I, it's it makes me, it's, it's inspiring. It makes me think about. I kind of want to, at some point, go down that road and figure out how I might be able to do kind of my synthesized electronic, yeah. layered music, but figure out a way to do it co- sort of more stripped down and and like the solo version of it because it lends to yeah so many different. If you can, if you can do the full band version of it it lends to like one type of performance. But then if you could do this sort of like stripped down, just you and a guitar version of it right. and figure out a way to still convey that kind of style, it lends to this, like, like, you know, Oh, you want to play in front of a hundred people right now impromptu? Okay, cool. I'll get on stage and I'll do my thing.
2: Right. You know what I mean? Right. There's a freedom yeah. to that. There's the yeah. flexibility. Yeah. It's just like, I don't need anything. Yeah. Just here you go. Yeah. And, you know, when we were talking about setting this up, I have my, uh, my whole rig with me and we could have plugged in a pedal board and you know two microphones yeah and looper and effects and all that stuff and it'd be cool but like it's also you know it's a good challenge that i've set for myself yeah. as a, as an acoustic musician first to say can i still carry yes. enough intent right just with the stripped down thing I right mean, think about like eric clapton like layla right mm-hmm. i mean the famous version of the first hit was electric but then how many people have listened to and like more the uh, the unplugged y- yeah, version yeah you know? right so exactly there's still you know there's value to acoustic yeah. sounds right that,
0: you know exactly yeah that's really cool well
2: what kind i don't i guess we didn't really get a chance to chat about like what kind of music you're into and what kind mm-hmm. of stuff you make mostly
0: yeah, I've um, just been talking about myself. No, I maybe mean, well, that's what it's Typical all about. You're, no, you're the guest, though. <laughs> it's not about me. You know? it's a, yeah. You're the guest. So, yeah. um, no, I appreciate you asking. I, um, um, I don't know if you you know. I, I, the easiest way, like the, what I, what I usually tell people. Like I'll use the term shoegaze. I don't know if you're familiar with shoegaze music, yeah, yeah. but it's kind of it, it, it's it's had a resurgence in the last handful of years, but it's still pretty obscure. And so sometimes lately, because some it's like 50-50, Some people go, "Oh yeah, shoegaze," yeah. and then some people go, "What the oh. heck are you talking about?" Ugh. So I um <laughs> I uh, uh I, I usually just was saying like a, you know alternative experimental rock is kind of gotcha. what I do. This version of like alternative experimental rock, but specifically what that is is. I'm going to have, um, it's really, it's kind of like shoegaze, post-punk pop Pop, rock kind of stuff that I do. (laughs) And I experiment two different avenues of creating that. So one of them is more like the traditional ensemble of like, you know, your typical rock band, electric guitars, bass, drums, that kind of thing. Right. And then the other avenue that I go down is experimenting with that same kind of like core concept, but. A sort of a different way of expressing it with, like, synthesizers, drum machines, and, like, a lot more kind of, like, electronic sounds. And, like, it's, Dang like, it. almost like the... Um, EDM-esque version of of a way to express that and then there's this other sort of like more traditional alternative rock yeah yeah yeah, totally so that's kind of what I do I have like two different projects that currently is just me kind of writing Yeah. Um, and um, um, can
2: you perform them solo though?
0: yeah that's the exactly that's the that's the challenge is uh i the, the short right now the answer is no but gotcha. i'm thinking about it. i'm like how would i perform it solo i need to be able to do that because yeah. right now i don't have a band behind this i create all this stuff myself i have not i have yet to sort of like recruit ba- a band right to do it and like we were talking at breakfast earlier today like you're at such an advantage i think in a lot of ways because we were just talking about how, like, you putting together tours and you being able—it just makes logistics and travel. I mean, it's just you. It's just you, and you just have like you know, your uh, some instruments you can throw in a suitcase. You have a pedal board you can throw in a suitcase, and and you can jump a plane. You don't have to get like this 15 passenger van with six people in the van and a five by eight trailer. That's Mm -hmm. what we. I used to be on the road traveling with the band like that, you know. And you have to coordinate with everybody's schedules if people have day jobs and all that stuff. It just makes logistics, even like, got to book a hotel room and like, we got to feed, we got to come up with per diems to feed like five, six people and, you know, housing for all those people. It's just so much more easy to pull off and you, you just logistically. Right, you know? right. Now, so, it,
2: I think it ultimately is always more fun to play with other people. Uh, so, you know, part of what I'm doing is just by necessity. Like, sure, I just, yeah. As I'm starting out, like, I right. don't have a huge fan base. Right. You know, so I've, you know, my mailing list has fewer than a thousand people mm-hmm. on it. So um, until I get up to that mark, or if, if once I hit maybe 10,000 fans nationally, yeah. then I can start to afford to... Bring a trailer and hire a band right. and, yeah. and do the, the, the legwork there and, and hire somebody to organize sure. that. absolutely. <laughs> and I
0: think that's a thing, right? right? I do definitely think that's a thing, but I think that it's, it's, it's a cool, you know, that, you, that it, the, I think the, the ultimate goal— Right. Would be to be able to pull off both of those things to say, okay, Mm -hmm. cool. You know, I'm going to do 60 dates with a band and we're going to play these theaters. And, you know, like say you you have a mailing list of 10,000 people, you have a mailing list of 100,000 people or whatever. Right. We're going to put together a 60 date tour. We're going to play, you know, um, 2000 capacity rooms in, you know, it could, be, it could be 25, 30, 50 different markets or something like that, yeah. you know? And we're gonna do that. We're gonna have the whole band and it's gonna be that presentation. But also... After we get done with that tour, then I'm gonna go out and do another tour of like 30 dates. That's just me, and we're gonna play more like intimate, sort of like an evening with, right. so to speak. Right, you know right, what I mean? Right. Yeah. So it just makes it. I, I think it's just it's a really cool. Uh, it's, it's another a, trick in the bag. Totally, yeah. totally it makes you more versatile. It's really it's a really neat thing because it gives it gives two different experiences that are really um, unique. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That's absolutely yeah. right.
2: Yeah, it started out as a necessity thing. Like, I just, you know, to find a band that can do all the things I'm interested in is really hard. Yeah, you know? right. <laughs> so who right. else am I going to find that's as distractible as me? Yeah, and yeah, And has yeah. been into as many different things in the capacities that yeah. I am. Like, I really like jazz. I really like bluegrass. I really like rock and roll. I really like hip-hop. I really like, you know, Beatles and, like, Beach Boys. Like yeah. Like, kind of harmony, uh-huh. vocal things. And, you know, classical counterpoint. Like, what kind of band am i going to find that can that can do all that stuff yeah. and fortunately i've i'm almost there like i actually sure. have found some players um, boston where i live is home to several really great music schools New England Conservatory is one of them. Uh, Berkeley College of Music is mm-hmm. there, too. Yeah. And uh, between those two, and, you know, there's bits and pieces of other schools in the Boston area that have good music programs. Harvard has a music program. MIT has a music program. Oh, really? Uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, it, I, I mean, the funny thing about MIT's music program is it's, like, guys who are just happen to be playing an instrument and, you know, they, you know there might be a great pianist who, oh, yeah, but mostly what I do is I, you know, write computer programs that... Re- Program your tongue or something. Yeah, I mean, yeah, just like right, weird yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, that's, yeah. You know, totally off the wall, but then yeah. they also can really play their instrument. Yeah. I think there's a connection between music education as a child and then the creativity that those people have. in instruments. Right. Major- I mean, how many schools, how many college applications are like, and what extracurriculars do you do to yeah. you play an instrument? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there's just research and science behind that of like music education helps a developing brain become. Yeah, right more advanced I right mean, i if i didn't start taking music lessons i wouldn't be as smart as i am now mm-hmm. You know, and i'm yeah. not that smart so like <laughs> i'd be i'd be really screwed um no but uh you know it's that i mean i'm very passionate about that and i think every child deserves access to music education yeah. um but Anyway, that's that's not a so, there. So when, so when so when
0: when <laughs> yeah. when artificial intelligence when artificial intelligence <laughs> is created and finally is out there and you know the 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 music composition realm of artificial intelligence is going to be birthed out of MIT. I'm sure yeah. there's probably some.
2: Oh, they're working on yeah, it. Already. Yeah, yeah, totally.
0: That's where it's going to come yeah. from. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah They've yeah. already got like. Have you seen where like I think it's. Uh, somebody was telling me or maybe I was reading this where like Google has some kind of form of artificial intelligence that can write music oh, man. and it's not necessarily composer like, bot. Yeah. And it's not necessarily like earth shattering yeah. music yet, but it's the, it's the, it's the beginnings of something that's like, it's, it's not like total garbage either. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's some sort of artificial machine learning, um algorithm that is able to create its own music, which is very interesting. So it's the beginning of a, Whoa, a it's yeah. a it's a it's a weird thing, you know? At
2: the very least they'll put the stock music industry out of business. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. Totally. <laughs> Nobody <laughs>
0: recording jingles anymore. Totally. Yeah. But imagine that. Isn't that crazy? Like we're sitting here talking about like you were just talking about um it's it's you're, you're currently like finding now some musicians and stuff that can kind of like work within what you're doing to create all this like crazy music, like the things like different styles and like running all a very diverse thing. Right. And, and, and it's kind of a challenge, but imagine if like artificial intelligence fully developed, you can, you know what I mean? Like you could have these musicians that could do that. You know what I mean? Hire
2: a robot band.
0: Yeah, totally, (laughs) totally, man. And like these people go on the road, like imagine if you had a band of people that you didn't have, have to pay necessarily they didn't have to eat they didn't have to sleep you know what i mean yeah that's That's, possible it's an interesting concept to think about
2: well that's i mean i'm i'm not worried about ever having machines replace my band because one of the things that i value as a musician is i'm an improviser Mm -hmm. you know i like to make stuff up on the fly um all this jazz training is has led me to really value that spontaneity of the creativity of in being in the moment and even in bluegrass In that scene there's there's always you know taking fiddle solos and breaks and stuff and you know rock guitars. got plenty of lead solo moments and you yeah know, jam out sections and you know so i've ended up playing a lot of music where half the fun of it is just locking in with someone yeah and like making something new that you you could not make without that other person yeah. too. it's One plus one equals three kind yeah. of thing. You know, you yeah. just come together and make something that's bigger than either of you. Um, and uh, so, I mean, I, I can't imagine the machine ever getting there. Yeah. You don't think so to, to be reactive and responsive and dynamic and playful, you know, I, when the machines can be playful, we're toast. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not worried about that for a while because there's. something I don't know about if it makes me an optimist. Spirit. I don't know if it makes mm-hmm.
0: me like some 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 kind of unique optimist or some sort of unique pessimist. But I <laughs> but I do see it going you there. Think
3: they'll,
2: they'll I think there. at
0: some point in time, yeah, and I think that it's gonna be. I mean, I don't know if it will be in our lifetime. I kind of think it will. I kind of think it will, um, based on the stuff that I've read and like the stuff that like Ray Kurzweil is working on. Yeah. I don't know if you're too if you've looked gotten into that world, but you know, he there's does people a
2: lot of electronics and stuff. I've yeah, heard yeah, that name.
0: yeah. Well, you know, from Kurzweil keyboards, but now he That's is a part it. of he is a part of Google, and I don't know if you oh. ever seen the movie. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Transcendence with Johnny Depp no, or whatever. Anyway, no, it's loosely based on Ray Kurzweil because Ray Kurzweil, part oh. of what he was working on, uh, part of his research and work has to do with... Um, there's a book he's... Re- I still have yet to read it. It's called How to Create a Mind. And it has to do with like asking this question of like, what is consciousness? You know, Where yeah. does it come from? All that kind of stuff. And can it be replicated? Is it possible to like the premise of the movie transcendence is this mad scientist character played by Johnny Depp that actually is able to download his consciousness into a, com- into a computer Whoa. so that when he dies, he can f- continue to exist inside a computer. And so that, that's okay. kind of like Ray Kurzweil's uh, Ray Kurzweil's thing. And he's, he's exploring that territory and this idea that, that that could be possible and everything. But, you know, he comes from a music backgrounds, like Kurzweil keyboards right, and like right. all that. And, and then there's um, uh, Peter Diamandis. There's, you know, uh, Elon Musk. There's a number of characters in this space, right? Totally. That are, that are doing things that yeah. you're going now, wait, what? I thought that's like a science fiction movie. There's no way that's real, but right. like it's real. And cars. then cars. Yeah, totally. It's t- happening. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the decade. Yeah, totally. But it's there's crazy. people when, when I hear these people talk about, <laughs> Um, They talk about these otherworldly seemingly like just there's there's no way that's possible kind of stuff. They're saying like, look, we're on the cusp of it now. We're in the very early stages of it. It is going to be a a, we're going to hit that place where it's a legit fully realized technology and it's going to happen within the next 25 years we're going to cross a threshold in computing power where i don't know like the way however it is that they uh, measure computing power currently like um there's a way that they measure like every so many years computing power doubles or something like that right but they're but 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 we're gonna cross this threshold where it becomes this exponential curve where it's like it's like (laughs) You know, it expen- every such and such matter of months, it like exponentially increases the computing power. And when that happens, you know, that's going to lend to... Uh, all of a sudden, there's going to be, you know, you know, like artificial intelligence, human longevity, um, you know, even like these these technologies like CRISPR that allows for... Have you ever... I don't know if you know of like Isn't CRISPR. is a where, DNA thing? Yeah, it has to do with being able to... Uh, Um, manipulate genetic code and so basically you can create the perfect person right you can say well how do you want your you know you're gonna you're gonna have a a child and it's just like well what traits do you want them to have you can genetically engineer all the traits that you want (laughs) so it's like interesting because it's like on the one hand it's kind of like that's totally science fiction it's yeah. yeah And on the one hand, it's kind of like take almost like taking vanity and plastic surgery and that kind of stuff to the next level. But on the other hand, Thinking about, well, it's kind of like you could eradicate disease, you could eradicate cancer, you could eradicate neurodegenerative yeah. disorders. You know, you can just edit that out of the genetic code to so where it just doesn't get passed on to next generations. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. So it's just interesting stuff. And 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 Peter Dumanis and all these people say, well, that's coming and it's coming within the next 25 years. And when we cross that threshold, it's just going to explode. They said, oh. I was reading a book. We're kind of way off topic now, but, but, <laughs> but they said, um, you know, I was reading this book recently and, um, and in the book, they were talking about the person who the human being who is going to live, to be older than 150 years has already been born. Whoa. Yeah. So, and then there's people like, um, you know, uh, uh allegedly I haven't read this. I haven't heard, uh, Elon Musk say this, but I've somebody said that he said <laughs> that so I may be just coming enough I, I, yeah, I'm totally I may I just heard be it from a guy completely yeah. passing on a rumor, but from what <laughs> I've heard is that Elon Musk, you know he wants to live to be like two hundred years old, that's his goal is to like. Wow. live to be like 200 and he wants to and he wants to die on mars he wants to live out his final <laughs> days on mars you know so crazy stuff is happening you know yeah. and when you think about it on that magnitude and you bring it back to like how that can impact the creation of art and like how technology because i mean clearly technology plays a role in the creation and distribution of art right Absolutely, i mean the yeah. music business has been turned on its head and that's the and that that was oh, the whole conference, yeah. Yeah, that it's was like, the conference. That's the reason you yeah. and me met and having yeah. this conversation right yeah. now, you know?
2: There's the, the traditional model of, like, hope you get found and somebody's gonna p- get their whole team and, like, yeah. put your music in every Tower Records store in the country. Like, yeah. Tower Records yeah. doesn't exist like anymore. Like, what the heck is Tower yeah. Records, yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know? Tower Records is the bunch of CDs that are stacked next yeah. to my computer exactly. that I haven't listened to in months. Yeah, yeah totally. Because <laughs> the new computers don't have a, a CD drive. Yeah, totally. Which is insane. I still have my... Uh, 2012 era MacBook pro Do you that really? has the CD drive and I'm, I'm happy to have it. This thing yeah. right
0: here that we're recording this podcast on predate, that thing, this is like 2009. It's got a CD drive. Wow. On. Yeah. 2009. Yeah. That's like, yeah, it's like a hundred and I, I, years. I know, I know it's yeah. like ancient. Yeah. It's like, it's like was something that existed in the stone we age are as far living as in the future. Yeah. Oh my yeah. This is crazy. <laughs> so cool, man. So as far as a concert conference, you know, um, uh, what was your what, what was kind of some of your key takeaways? What what kind of what what were some of the panels and stuff that you dropped in on that you felt like you really, um, you know, kind of expanded your mind and you learned some new stuff that you're going to check out and try.
2: Well, I feel like um, a lot of it was I, I attended things that I sort of have been hearing about. Mm-hmm. So that I didn't, I don't, I don't feel like I attended anything that like. I didn't know that existed. Holy. Yeah. Well, yeah, my, yeah. Right. Well, it's Kickstarter. I've never yeah, heard, you know yeah, right, like, yeah. Of course I know what Kickstarter is. Yeah. Everybody's heard of Kickstarter. Yeah. But, um, this, the specifics and the nuance of it, uh, a lot, it was a lot of sort of nuts and bolts stuff. Yeah. So the conference was incredibly useful because there were so many nuts and bolts. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I mentioned Kickstarter. I did go to one session where there was a guy who does, I, I think he's a local Nashville based, um, Publicist or PR guy or something, and he's like, we work with clients to make Charles successful-
0: Charles, uh, Charles Alexander, I believe. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah.
2: And so, he, you know, he, his he gave a great talk on you know how to make a Kickstarter successful, and and just this idea of maybe instead of planning a 30-day campaign that you're going to get to the goal by day 30, plan a 30-day campaign where you get to your goal in 48 hours. Yeah, yeah. And that was that was kind of a revelation of an idea is to plan it so that you have such overwhelming success out of the gate that then you then have other things to talk about and mm-hmm. momentum. You can go for stretch goals. You can write an additional piece of PR or press release about like, look, successful Kickstarter campaign funded in only 48 hours. Yeah. You know, read it, read more. This, this must be something really right. exciting. And so you can build more buzz organically just based around having some pre 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 some pre planning <laughs> yeah. and preparation. Yeah. Um, and you know, I'm an improviser. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> so my whole life has been like yeah, off yeah. the cuff on the fly, right. just making it up as right. I go along. Um, so this was kind of a nice reminder of like, oh, I really need to, you know, have a game plan for, mm-hmm. you know, or there was another one that was like a a major marketing campaign for uh, a, a CD release. Mm-hmm. And and how does that work? And what should it look like? Yeah. Now, I am getting ready to release my debut full-length solo album. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's going to be one that I recorded pretty much all of it all myself with a couple exceptions, a couple tracks i recorded in other studios. Yeah, you were, in, you were
0: you were you're busy while you were here. You yeah, just, uh, was it? It was yesterday. You were in House yep. Blues. Yep. Yeah, yep. So yeah, that's a so, legit spot. It was a great yeah.
2: experience. Really great studio. Wonderful to work with that engineer, Leland Elliott of Weatherman Sound. Um, he used to be an intern at Blackbird Studios, mm-hmm. and so he's you know got access to all this killer gear mm-hmm. still, and uh, you know just amazing ears really fast with pro tools really helpful had all the gear ready to go ahead of time and yeah you know we we tracked the whole song in a day with uh a bunch of different instruments and mm-hmm. i played all the parts um and then so we, we had a tracking day thursday and then an editing day uh yesterday and um you know, so so that was that that song is an exception in that I had help. I had an engineer yeah. recording with me and, and helping me set up mics and and using his sweet gear and stuff. Mm-hmm. But um uh, much of the record is recorded by myself using my own gear uh in my home studio. Okay. Um and so it's gonna be kind of a mishmash of stuff, uh mishmash of styles. The album is gonna be called Distractable Boy. <laughs> cool <laughs> that, that's yeah, me. That, great, um, yeah, awesome. And uh, you know, just hearing all this conversation about like you really once you have it recorded, you could probably do two or three months of rollout for this. And I went, oh, well, I'm I'm I haven't finished tracking, and I plan to put it out in less than a month now. Yeah. You know, oh. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so actually, it's to, it's one month to the day right now. Okay from the day I plan to release it. So I have to get it finished real soon. Yeah, That has been my modus operandi. That's been the way that I've operated. It's yeah. just like, if I don't have a deadline, I might not f- call it done. I might not right. get it finished. Right, right, right. So for me, this was sort of a necessity thing first time around. But also, now I know what I'm going to do for the second album after mm-hmm. this. I'm going to really have a plan and you know make a budget, probably do a Kickstarter thing make the record. Once it's done, then start to market it. Yeah, You know, it's been really hard to make the time to do all those things, uh, while I had the full-time teaching jobs that I Mm -hmm. had. So I graduated from NEC in 2012 and from 2012 until this past June, I was teaching at, um, two different elementary schools, one of which has four campuses. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first couple years out of school, I was teaching at three out of their four locations and then this other school as well. So I was, I had four teaching jobs and then they added the, the, the school at four campuses. They, they recruited me to teach at the fourth one as well. So mm-hmm. I was teaching at five schools, um, group beginning violin classes, um, like 200 kids a year,
3: mm-hmm. you
2: know, really busy yeah, yeah yeah so to the to make the time and to commit to well you know i have a steady paycheck i have a roof over my head yeah everything's taken care of i'm making my living playing and teaching music i'm living the dream yeah there wasn't really a sense of urgency about getting a record done yeah you know and i put it off and put it off and put it off and so finally i said i need to just quit my jobs hard deadline get it done yeah and we'll see what happens. I yeah, mean, it it may mean that this time around I'm missing out on some promotional opportunities and I'm not doing the best job creating buzz about the record. Mm-hmm. But um, I think it's going to be a great record. Yeah. And then once it's out, I can still create buzz about it, kind of after the fact. Which yeah. Is and second I think place. I
0: think that some of the people I think some of the people at the conference touched on the idea because you know when I was um, when I was a number of years ago I was producing a band and a couple of bands specifically that I decided that I wanted to get more into the business, uh, end of it with them. Right. And so yeah. we kind of built this sort of, um, we built this kind of label, uh, marketing thing, management thing, all kind of around them. And a lot of the philosophy that I went, that, that, that I brought into that was, you know, to kind of break the mold off the traditional, ways of kind of marketing things, which was the traditional way to do is like very, very, very front loaded
1: to front load
0: it big time. Right. Right. And, and, and I kind of was, (laughs) yeah, I was, I was kind of, I was kind of, um, I was kind of over that for a lot of reasons. And I don't, you know, it's like they can get into the specifics of it, but for a lot of reasons, it was just like over that. And, you know, I brought some partners in, we did some stuff and and we got some places and ultimately what happened was all their philosophy was to front load things. Mine was like, I think there's a different way to look at this. And, you know, we started playing the game, the traditional game and like having all these conversations with all these outlets and everybody was asking a certain, like, well, you need this, you need this. And like, You know, people didn't, it was like, we want the exclusive. We want to be able to talk about the thing that hasn't been released yet. When is your release date for this upcoming thing? And like, you know, and it's, that's very front loaded, very traditional, Yeah. but I've always thought it's like, man, I'm just, I don't really, I don't really want to play that game, you know? And I I think there's another way. And there's some people who have proven that there's another way. And some people at the conference kind of touched on that. It's like these days of like having to front load everything. Some people were talking about this idea about, Um, you know, even having, you can do things on Spotify in a way that maybe, you know, two years down the road, a a song that you released like two years ago can come back around again and have this new relevance, you know, you know, and sync licensing world is kind of that way and everything. Absolutely. So that's where I want to go. And I think that like being a DIY musician and being sort of in the new and the future of the music business of operating things very much in like the new media space and on the internet and all that kind of stuff lends to like, like if, you know this front loading strategy i don't think you have to be locked into that box you know what i mean right and i think it's
2: reassuring to hear yeah i mean
0: (laughs) and 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 so i think somebody like gary vaynerchuk comes to mind he's not in the music space at all he's a i don't know if you're familiar with him but he's Mm a he's just an entrepreneur entrepreneurial guy and he um gary vanderchuk gary gary vaynerchuk vaynerchuk Uh, yeah So look into him. He's an interesting character.
2: Write that down. But,
0: but, um, you know, what he says is like, look, I play both sides. I play both sides. And so he's very big into social media and he has an entire, uh, a very... He's got a media company that's where he's got offices in several different cities. I think like New York, Chattanooga, and London, and maybe some other places. But anyway, he works with A-list brands, big brands, big athletes, big um, famous uh, musicians, and you know celebrities and this kind of stuff. And he's built a celebrity, um, kind of a celebrity personality for himself and everything. And he's done a lot of it on new media and social media and that kind of stuff. But at the same time, he's like, I play both sides too. He's like, he, like two months ago, he was on the cover of Entrepreneur entrepreneur magazine. So he does nice. the traditional thing too, but he right. talks about that and I think that's the space. That's the space I'm interested in being in. To say let's double down, triple down on the new media, social media, right. Spotify, new ways of doing things. Right. And then also like don't completely alienate the traditional thing, but I want to double down on the future. You know what I mean?
2: Right. And
0: this whole front loading thing, I think it's a mistake. I think it's I think it's a mistake to be in that space where you're you're yeah once it's out it's
2: out mm, and that's it yeah, yeah no. you know
0: that was there was a really great panel where somebody was saying you know
2: like a lot of artists they release something and then they only get a thousand plays and they're like wait what what happened man it's, yeah it's on spotify now and it's like yeah but you need to have a plan for like six months after you you yeah, too.
0: yeah you know right. really
2: have the long game and and what are you going to do to then build momentum yeah so you know at this point in this release cycle which is my first release cycle. I'm stoked about it. Uh, I, I've built more than you know. I put out an EP uh, self-released uh, uh, about a year ago, um, and then this past November, actually, so year and a half ago, I put out an EP, and then just about just under a year ago, I released um, a trio collaborative record, it's an instrumental record with a cellist and a tabla player, Indian uh, drum, uh, and. Uh, it was like all original kind of world grooves, chamber pop, chamber jazz, something. I don't know what to call it. Another multi genre fusion project. It was just a collaboration between some artists. And we didn't do a lot of media or release or press or anything. Did a local CD release show in Boston. Like kind of that was it. Mm-hmm. And it was a good time. But it was a reminder to myself like just making music isn't quite enough. I have to put a yeah. little bit of structure into mm-hmm. it. Um so this, I feel like I'm, I'm doing better than I did last time already, mm-hmm. even though there's clearly so much more to do. And, it, you know, if I had a hundred thousand dollars, I would do it way differently.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> of course, right. if I had a hundred thousand dollars, you know, I would do a lot of things way yeah, differently. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. you know, just a lot of it is the necessity of the situation and the limitations of what all I can accomplish as one person, um, help shape it. And I'm, I've sort of, I've let go of the perfectionism. hmm. Um, this is another thing that came out of grad school is this, one of my teachers reminded me and I was, I was all down on myself about like, Oh, I'm not the best violinist in the world, man. I'm I'm doing all these other things. I'm playing, you know, mandolin and bass and all these other things, but I'm worried about being a jack of all trades, master of none. He said, mm-hmm. like, you know, you're still a better violinist than like 90% of the world, mm. you know, mm. I mean, of the billions of people out there. Most of them don't play at all.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. So, like, it's okay to feel like you don't have to be the top right now. Right, like yeah. The, the the He used a really great analogy of, like, putting something out into the water, a craft that is created. Like, for years it was make a boat. Make the perfect boat. Make sure everything's finished on it, the trim, the paint job, the ceiling, the everything, you know, the, the rudders, the oars, whatever, the sail mast, everything is perfect before you put it out into the water. And he's like, nowadays people are building rafts.
0: Yeah, you know, if, yeah, as long yeah. as it floats, it yeah. could be
2: ugly as hell yeah. and uh, you know, you know, have a hole in the middle of it, but if it floats, yeah. Push it out of right, the water. Yeah. You'll travel further down the river, sure. and then get to where you know exactly. you can build a better raft yeah. next time. Yeah, that's so, great. So I'm building rafts.
0: Yeah, that's awesome, you know, man. And that's uh, awesome. That's awesome. So, and all. <laughs> so we're getting about to be. You know, we've been we've been talking um, right in an hour now, oh and so I know you've got to you've got to get some stuff. You have got to get to some stuff. But I do want to ask before we like t- completely conclude this conversation. Um, and get you on your airplane out of here. <laughs>
3: yeah.
0: I, um, I want to ask a few more things. And so you said, one of the things is that I want to ask, you said that if you had a hundred thousand dollars, you would do it differently. You would do some things differently. Sure. I would love to know what, how would you approach it different? What would you do different?
1: Well,
2: um,
0: <laughs> that's and good, in terms that's of like and you're talking about in terms of what in terms of marketing the music or yeah, in terms of
2: in terms of the way that I've constructed the record okay right? so a lot of this has been very DIY and that's sort of like an on purpose like I'm just doing it myself uh, almost as a point of pride. Like mm-hmm. I, I recorded most of it myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I I wrote all the songs. I'm playing all the instruments. Even though I could hire musicians that can play drums better than me, or you know, I could you know get a. I'm trying to think of, you know, I I'm not the best guitarist in the world mm-hmm. either. I'm a much better violinist than guitarist. Um, but I'm playing guitar on my records, and it's sort of like a, you know, this is my personal hello world yeah just to be able to say i made these sounds yeah if you like the way this sounds then you kind of like my essence Mm -hmm. you know um so i guess i'd still have done this first record that way yeah just as that's sort of the core statement yeah but I would have relinquished more control of the studio experience. Mm-hmm. You know, it's been really interesting to have my own studio set up and like go down the path of becoming an audio engineer.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but it is a whole discipline in yeah. and of itself, right? You know, and so I've I've definitely felt a, a little stretched thin yeah. sometimes trying yeah. to figure out a how do I play drums? You know, wh- how do I tune this drum head? Uh, and then b how do I Uh, set up the mics in such a way that I can capture it appropriately and then like hit record and check levels while delivering a performance at the same time. So, you know, my experience tracking here in Nashville with an expert engineer in a great dedicated studio was so satisfying compared Mm -hmm. to, you know, the struggles of the bedroom recording experience that if, you know, next record, I'm going to definitely be collaborating with a recording engineer Mm -hmm. just from the jump because yeah. it's way yeah. easier to get good results. Yeah, Takes a lot less time, but it, it costs more money though. Sure, you know? yeah, but so. you,
0: yeah, it's 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 worth it's worth it. You're buying something for that money. You know what right. I mean? You're buying a right. lot of different things, and one of the things that you're buying is just uh, mind space. You exactly. Know? It's, you know?
2: Yeah, and mind space is. Really valuable. Yeah, I mean that's why I'm quitting these teaching jobs too. Mm-hmm. It's not because I don't like teaching. Mm-hmm. I love teaching. I, I've there's nothing more rewarding than knowing that a child who I introduced to the violin is now committed to music for the rest of their life. Right. Yeah. And I've I've that's happened a couple times mm-hmm. now where somebody that I started off is now. A serious musician. Yeah, that's pretty cool. It's yeah. It's like having a child, you know. Yeah, it's yeah, like, it's... I mean I, I, I don't have kids, I just rent them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh but you know, I, I gave that up this, this year just to you know, Stravinsky, the composer, famously said he would never teach because uh he you know, students would take all his energy from composition. Mm, and mm, I I'm feeling it now. Yeah. I'm like I know that the creative headspace and the time that I spent thinking about, oh, I know I bet this student would really need this or mm-hmm. this lesson plan. There's the craft of creating, the artistry of teaching. I can take that time that I had been creating stuff for others and create for myself. Mm-hmm. Ultimately with the goal still of giving to an even larger mm-hmm. spread of people, mm-hmm. you know. And it won't have the same impact for that one person in that same way. But I don't know, did you catch the keynote speech, Mary Gauthier and her talk? She mm-hmm. I mean, she made a really important concept, and she said, you know, we are alchemists. Songwriters mm, yeah. create magic. I mm-hmm. mean, we, we make something that didn't exist before and touch people in a way that, words can't Mm -hmm. you know and she was talking about her her outreach with veterans and 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 trauma relief and and songwriting as a way to to get inside the mind of a veteran who's gone through ptsd um and how songs can change those lives in a way that um words can't and Mm -hmm. education can't and you know when something's like music has a healing property to it that um makes it I feel justified in leaving yeah. the educational sure. sphere for sure. now. Like sure. I know what I'm doing is yeah. still yeah. worthwhile. Yeah,
0: totally. Um, and cool. I and
2: I have the headspace to do it now. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Cool.
0: So. so so this being the, the the modern recordist, you know, all these topics. It's like I think they're they're applicable. And one of the things that I like to get into as well that I don't want to miss out on the opportunity to do since it's the modern recordist, and there's a lot of people, musicians, producers, songwriters. Uh, artists, engineers, all that stuff. All those people are people that that make up this audience. And so when you talk about you made this record in your bedroom and like, yep. that's part of the ethos for why I even named this show, the modern recorders because I wanted to, to to get people on the mic and talk about what is it like yeah. creating and recording music in the modern age. So go through that, your process a little bit of how you, cause you, you it's, it's, cause this, sure. is, this is, cause I'm a professional audio engineer, you know, and I've right. helped people with, with on major label releases and indie releases, all kinds of stuff. And I've seen, it's interesting because I've worked on, on albums that have been made in a home studio like Mm -hmm. you know it's it's literally just a a spare room in somebody's house that has some pretty good gear in it and we make an album or we mix an album there and then that album goes on to win a Grammy I've worked on projects like that so in the modern age what it looks like is you're working you know oftentimes it's a it's a hybrid of like sometimes you're working in this professional studio for hire that is like whoa this is like you know level 11 yeah and then and then on that same project you might spend another month at somebody's house, you know, and, and we're talking about major yeah. releases that sell platinum, you know, like it has that potential, Totally, you know? And so I love to get love into that. that. I love that. But, but, yeah. but, you know, you, that's not unlike how you created your yeah. it's the process you've gone through is, is a totally legit, like way people make records today. So de- yeah. describe your, your process, how you did sure. this. Sure.
2: Well, I mean, I, I, part of it is being a multi-instrumentalist uh, and, I don't want to say I'm a control freak. I don't think I am a control freak, but uh, just the the desire to do everything myself and the curiosity that goes with wanting to know how every stage of it works. Mm-hmm. You know, it's I, I for a while I had difficulty yielding control to an engineer mm-hmm. and just like you know working with somebody and saying, "Here's the music, uh, give me a mix." Like mm-hmm. I wanted to know, like how does the compressor work? What is sure. this thing? Like, how, what are you doing? Do you yeah. use plugins? Are you using outboard gear? How does this thing work? What's this EQ do? And, um, so I've just sort of thrown myself into learning about engineering, uh, kind of as a curiosity. And mm-hmm. I've just, I've always been fascinated with sound mm-hmm. and sound recording. Um, but it, like, as you said, you can make really professional quality stuff in a very low budget setting. So, you know, I've always been interested in trying to have the autonomy to be able to create my own stuff whenever I want. Mm -hmm. Um, I also in my career and my development as a musician by sheer chance ended up when I was an undergrad, I stumbled into the dance department building. Um, There was a great musician who was always playing killer drums in the dance building. And uh, he, he took me under his wing and I I started accompanying like ballet and modern dance classes with him and um, ended up, Going up to this summer festival in Maine, I've been been back there every summer. It's called the Bates Dance Festival. Um, I go up there every summer and and teach kids music, and then play for dancers, and like work with choreographers and make compositions of my own for their dance pieces. Um, and so I've just been getting more into more into like writing music for other people, for mm-hmm. scores, for choreographers, for like for film. I've done some film score work, um, and uh, that process is like. It would be so nice to just be able to make stuff on my own whenever I want. Um, so now I finally have the gear, I think, to do it. I mm-hmm. bought myself a couple pre's Pres um, and a nice stable of microphones. And I treated my room okay, and I just sort of started reading up on how to mic different instruments. Mm-hmm. You know, violin. I've done lots of session work, uh, at, you know, for people's recording projects and string quartets as like a fiddle player and a background thing mm-hmm. for a country mm-hmm. record or that type of stuff. Um, but then, you know, when I made my EP, I learned how to mic up a mandolin and a guitar and a banjo and a, you know, how to mic up a bass and, you know, th- what's phasing mean and, and yeah, all that stuff. Right, and so. By just kind of keeping it simple, I only have two channels on my input. Yeah. You know, I have a, an RME baby face, which has got really yeah. nice converters. It uh-huh. sounds really good. Um, and I, I, I got a Neve 1073. Uh, okay. So I've got two channels cool. of that.
0: Oh, wow. Cool. So stereo
2: yeah. Neve into the RME. And between that 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 signal chain, pretty much sounds good yeah, with anything. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's great. Um, and so the 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 limitations of having an untreated room are kind of minimized when I'm doing mostly close miking stuff. Yeah. I'll, I'll do things like I'll record an upright bass in my bedroom as opposed to the smaller office space because the bed itself is a nice bass trap.
0: Sure, yeah, um, and, right.
2: And that was just like I had an engineer friend come over to my house and and help me figure out where's the best way to set up each of these things. Yeah, but, You know, I'll track drums and I'll do the kit piece by piece sort of sampler style. Like I'll record just the hi hat okay. and then just the snare okay. and just the kick. Individually, both because I'm a lousy drummer, you know, I don't, I don't have the time to practice on a full kit all the mm-hmm. time. So by isolating each piece, I have a little more control, but it also means that I can EQ it better and more carefully. But you still
0: want to play and like do that on an acoustic set as opposed to Sample programming and, it and I stuff. Mean, or?
2: Yeah. I mean, I, something about the acoustic feel is definitely really exciting to me. I don't mind sampling things. Yeah. You know, I mean, certainly in, when I'm playing live, I'm using a looper pedal. It's yeah. already an electronics-based performance. Yeah, But um, I like to have the sense of the organic and the feeling of creating it all myself as mm-hmm. opposed to like... Press a button and have a backing track come on. They're yeah, like, here's something sure. I made earlier. Right, you know, it's Yeah, like, oh it's yeah. It's not a yeah. cooking show. Totally. Oh well, yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> so. As
0: a, from a live performance standpoint, absolutely. I think that the, yeah. I think that I think that you've nailed it from a live performance standpoint. You absolutely have to be performing these things, even right. if you're triggering a sound. But right. you know, for the sake of a, for the sake of an album, it could be different. Just considering the fact that, and I get it. Believe me, I get yeah. it. I, I, I'm, I'm the type of person who's like, yeah, you know, I mean, I would, I like to be able to infuse the human performance into right. every. So, you know, performing a a, a kit, but at the same time, you know, depending on stylistically, because some of these, uh, some of these um, drum libraries or whatever have just gotten to be so yeah, yeah, so yeah,
2: I'm not opposed to crafting. I mean, that's been a big learning experience in the studio is. It's really not a live performance, mm-hmm. and my approaches for performing live, not all of it translates to mm-hmm. the studio right very yeah. well. Right, right, Like right. sometimes even having an emotion-filled performance that, like, if you were watching, might be really exciting. You listen back two days later, and you're like, "Oh, that sounds like crap." Mm. You know, I, I I was so focused on the intensity of it, the rawness, that like yeah. I'm out of tune and the scratchy tone. Sure. You know, so. It's, it's, I've been learning to make more compromises and learning to make revisions. Part of it was, uh, I I recorded stuff with a band that, you know, that came out of NEC and it was like four, almost five years ago now that we did some recording together and I'm going to release some of that stuff on this record. Okay. Um, Even though it's much older and I've just sort of, you know. At one point, I, I sent it to a friend who was a, a, a mentor, a trusted expert listener. And, you know, he pointed out, oh, there's a spot where the bass note is wrong. And there's a spot where the, you know, the, the, the drum's a little too much or the piano's a little too yeah. much. And, you know, the balance is a little off. And I'm like, man, I can't redo this because that was a live session with other musicians in the same room. There's bleed issues. Yeah. And like they've moved to different states now. Yeah. Right. Right. So, you know, I can't redo it. Yeah so right. I mean much of this album's creation has been me being like no I want to be able to fix stuff if sure I, so I just like learned all the instruments yeah cool right on man <laughs> so awesome. that I can do it at my leisure yeah yeah awesome uh, but uh, you know I'm trying to find a compromise between you know being meticulous and just learning sure. when to let go build yeah. a raft yeah totally man build a raft just gaining the you know, which yeah. comes
0: with experience yeah. awesome dude we gotta get you out of here yeah there's so many more questions that uh, I would love to ask but uh, let's get you out of here man uh, how do people follow up? How do people, you're going to be releasing a record. When's the, 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 the thing is when this podcast comes out, it it's may very, already be it's out. very likely that you've yeah. what's the date that you're going to, you're planning on
2: planning to release digitally September 29th, okay.
0: 2017. Cool. So this, 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 your record will absolutely be out by the time that this podcast goes out. So awesome. Cool. Where can people find the record?
2: You can find it on my website, which is robflax.com. R O B F L A X. And uh, I'm on all the social media too Facebook.com slash Rob Twitter and Instagram, I'm at Rob Flax. Snapchat, I'm at Rob Flax Music. I found Snapchat to be really fun, actually. You you like it? Yeah, it's mostly like on the road just seeing dumb stuff and like making silly videos. And I love that. Um, Similarly, the extension of that is YouTube. Um, I've been making. Uh, a YouTube channel now, and so I'll, there'll be m- more, you know, music videos, but also just like vlogs from the road, and just me doing dumb yeah. stuff and being killer. silly. So awesome, man! All those
0: places, killer, dude. Well, thanks again for being here. It was, it was, it was a lot of fun being able to talk to you the last hour and uh, connect with you the last few days, and uh, really enjoy your music. and look forward to the release, um, and I'm going to be staying posted, as are a lot of other people. And, uh, yeah, have fun on the road. Good luck to you. My Thanks for being here, man. Thank you. Awesome, dude. So there you go, friends. Another episode of The Modern Recordist. We've come off a long recess, and we're in full swing this fall, working hard to bring you a whole bunch of new episodes through the end of this year with insightful conversations from inspiring guests talking all about making music and art and how to thrive in your creative lifestyle. I want to continue to express my gratitude for your dedicated interest in this show. Early October marked the return of The Modern recordists the first batch of new episodes in over a year and their response has been awesome. So I'm very grateful and super charged up at your dedicated listenership and your support of this podcast. It really is the best feeling in the world to know that The Modern Recordist is a podcast that is resonating so deeply with people. I truly am inspired by the incredible response the show has gotten directly upon the posting of these new episodes. It's been awesome to have so many people respond to the return of the podcast in such a positive way. So thanks for all the comments and emails from new listeners and veteran listeners letting me know that you're glad the modern recordist is back and if i have not heard from you please reach out i'd love to know more about you how you found out about the modern recordist and what you've gotten out of listening to the podcast and this is the perfect way to tell you all about our all new website dedicated To the Modern Recordist. This is the place on the internet that is going to serve as the home base for the podcast from here on out. Check it out at modernrecordist.com. Here you can check out all the episodes we put out to date. You can hit the contact page and send us a message. And if you're a brand new listener, you can check out the start here page we've set up for you to get familiar with the show. But most importantly, Make sure you enter your email address using any of the forms you will find all over the site. This way, we will make sure you never miss an episode and you're in the loop on all things latest and greatest that has to do with the modern recordist. All right, folks, here's to another one. More high fives and fist bumps from Nashville. And here's to making great music through the final days of 2017. That's it for this week. There's more for you next week. And in the meantime, go live your life an extraordinary artistic visionary and create music that impacts the world.